Osburn is speaking this morning. I know he's a little bit nervous, all his family's here, but you guys are just going to like cheer him on, not, not um, I'm sure, not um, make fun of him. <laughs> but anyway, I just want to say something about Josh, his nature. This week, how I said that, you know, God put that word release on my heart and I was just sharing with God, you know, with Josh, sorry, just the deep stuff that God was speaking to me about and Josh is like, oh, I hope God wasn't speaking to your bowels. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, I'm having this deep moment here sharing with Josh. And the nature of Josh is he just loves to bring things back down to earth. He's very grounded. And I love that about him where I'm a bit like eyes in the sky, always looking towards heaven and like la-di-da. He's just real. And um, I just love him. He's down to earth. And there's a real strength and groundedness in him, which I know that he brings to our family, but I think he brings it to this house too. And um, let's just honour him for the man that he is, the man of peace and strength who's loving this. Give him a big hand as he comes. Thanks, babe. Good on you, Sarah. Cool. Morning, church. How are we all? That's good. Josh, you can drum me to sleep anytime you want. That was awesome. Yeah, I don't know if that worked, but it sounded nice. Cool. We're all good? We're all good? Jay, you're pulling your sleeves down. It's winter, isn't it? Just so you know, Jay's in, had his sleeves up in shorts, no shoes. Lucky he's got big calves to keep him warm. But um, cool. Um, it is winter. Everyone realise that. Marty, do you realise it's winter? Yeah? That's, I don't know. I hate Kirsty here. Yeah. He's just trying to shadow his muscles. Um, anyway, I don't even know where I'm going. Um, all right, I'm going to pray. Dear Jesus, help me. Amen. Cool. All right. I, I need all the help I can get. I know that. Um, you probably all know that as well. Sarah definitely knows that. Um, but as I was preparing um, this week or so, I knew I was coming up to speak and, and I was like, God, what do you want me to speak about? And this phrase just popped in my head and it's, it's <coughs> excuse me. Um, and it says, the past doesn't determine your future, but the past can help shape it. And I just want to ex- explain that just briefly for a moment, and then I'll, I'll keep going what God's been speaking to me about. But, you know, our past, no matter how good or bad, doesn't determine where we're going. We can, with God, there's a new day, there's a new season we can have, and, and God is into reshaping you, making old wine skin new, and all of that. And what's happened in your past doesn't have to define what's going to happen in your future, because God is bigger than your past but what we've learned in our past can help shape who we are in the future and help us help people who are in similar situations if it's a bad thing that will go on in our happen in our past we can actually help people through that from drawing on the experience of our past but it doesn't determine who we are in God so that's um yeah that's that and then I was thinking at prayer last Sunday morning um Lynn Candalo shared, as she always does at the changing of the seasons, about um, um, this time about winter, about how she, um, you know how plants and all that work during winter, and she explains that so well. Owning a nursery, hopefully she knows a bit about plants. But um, and it just got me thinking about winter and and the season that we're in. Sarah, can you put the phone down and stop taking photos? Um, you know, and and for me. I hate winter, like it's, I don't even know what God is thinking. Um, Obviously, he knows more than me, but I'm not a fan of winter. You know, I have to think about um, wearing pants sometimes. I don't, I just like shorts and sometimes the legs get a bit cold. You go to work in the dark, you come home in the dark. Um, You know, it just, 
just depressing time really and that and i know for me in winter i'm just longing for summer i love summer i love the beach i love um, having my family and going to the beach over the afternoon being able to do things of an afternoon but um so i long for summer and i wish winter away quickly so i've been thinking about winter as we're coming into winter naturally and and also at the same time um sarah showed me this verse she saw on instagram from um someone she follows um, psalm 4 verse 1 in the King James Version says, Hear me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me, thou hast enlarged me, when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. And it's just an awesome verse and it's, it's, it's like that winter season you're in. Like I'm, I'm distressed, I'm depressed, I just want to get out of it. And God uses those seasons to enlarge us. And then at the same time, I just thought, I'm, I just randomly went on SoundCloud um, typed in the Equippers Church thing as I normally do and just listened to this sermon from Dan Leanne. Um, I don't even really know who he is or anything and he just talked about winter and storms and, and seasons and all that. So I'm like, oh God, you kind of just... So today I'm going to talk about winter seasons because I love winter. And um, you know, the the beauty, the thing about winter as much as I hate it, what like every, if you're a photographer... Apparently in winter you can see further, your photos are a lot more clearer and um, you can just see further and, and I looked at, talked to my science wife, she's my science concordance, so I just asked her and she tells me, she just generally Googles it. But, um, and it's the reason, part of the reason why you can see further in winter is because there's less humidity in the air which enables you to see further, yeah, that makes sense. So there's better photos in winter and all that sort of stuff. The other thing about winter, you can see further, but you can also hear further, apparently, because of, you know, this deciduous trees losing their leaves, their sound barriers. Um, when in extreme climates, the lakes freeze over, so you can kind of, there's no deterrent from the water, you can, s sound travels further. In snow, you know, the snow covers the ground and, and, you know, all the rocks and the grass and all that don't absorb the sound, it just travels over it. So in winter, not only can you see further, you can hear further. And I know in, <coughs> in hard seasons in my life, that's when God generally will talk to me the most. And, and when I come out of those seasons, I feel like I can see further and hear further and see God more clearly for who he was. But I wish those seasons away um, and... and maybe I should actually embrace those seasons and, and try to hear what God's trying to say to me during them and then I'll get out of them quicker. So yeah, winter seasons can be hard and today I want to talk about how we get through these seasons <coughs> Excuse me, and, um, and how we can see Jesus within these seasons and I'm going to refer to them as storms today. So, you know, sometimes in our storms, we can call out to God and he reacts straight away. You know, God, I'm struggling financially and a provision will come. Or God, I'm, you know, I'm sick or whatever and healing comes. There's times in our lives where we call out to God and there's a near instant reaction. There's a near instant answer to our prayers. But there's some seasons that we go through that there's a delay in, in reaction and, and there's a silence amongst that storm. And, you know, it's imperative that we figure out where God is in the storm because silence can be distressing, silence can be disturbing, and silence undealt with can become destructive to our journey. And it's in these times we can start to lose hope and give up altogether. You know, that's how these winter seasons and storms can be destructive. Um, 
excuse me. Jesus doesn't want us to us destroyed, but Jesus wants us to have life and life to the full. He wants to fill our lives. He wants to favor our life. He wants to flourish our life. He gives us the word and the spirit of God so we can know exactly what he is when there is silence in the storm or exactly where he is in the silence. So the silence in the storm. You know, I've been through storms in, in my life and, and recently Sarah and I's um, storm has been one of um, um, mainly in, to do with Sarah's health. She's been going through a health battle for the last year and a half, two years, um, constant migraines, all that, trying to figure out what it was. And every time she seems to get better, um, I'll have a little health storm. And just as I'm getting better, Sarah will go back into her um, season of these migraines and all that. And we've recently found out, and she's been constantly fatigued, tired, and we re recently found out Sarah has celiacs. So um, that's that's good. We know what it is and we can... We can go forward with that. But during that storm is also with the health storm, we've had our beautiful little Esther, um, who was the perfect baby. From six weeks, she was sleeping through, just delight. We've nailed this parenting thing fourth time around. And, that, and for six weeks to a year, she slept through. And then pretty much after that, for the last 20 months or whatever it is, she has decided not to sleep through decided to wake up constantly, decided that the only way can she can sleep is in our bed, touching both of us, one with her feet and one with her hand. And, and this is a constant battle. No matter what she what we do, she'll still somehow figure a way out. Maybe, I, do, I reckon, I was hard on the boys. And, and since we've had a girl, I think it's Sarah's job to be hard on the girl because I can't be because she just looks at me and I cave. And that, I don't tell her, but she's got me wrapped. And that, but so <coughs> I'm blaming Sarah for this season. Um, but no, she, and then you kind of just, you're like, oh, I'm so angry and frustrated at, at her. And then she wakes, you wake up and she looks in and says something and you're like, oh, I forgive you. And that, but it's been nearly two years of this storm of, of just sleep deprivation and, and kind of during this storm, we're like, God, Help us get through this season. We pray that Esther will sleep. We pray that we'll sleep. We pray that at least we can sleep so deeply that we can't hear her crying or, you know, like, like I'm all for letting her cry, but apparently I've got to get up when I hear it. And so um, it's just kind of these prayers and, and people have been praying and, and for Sarah's health and, and for Esther to sleep through and, and all of this. But it kind of, like we're like, God... Why aren't you answering this prayer? And, you know, I've been kind of bartering God, like, God, if you grant Esther sleep, if she sleeps through, I'll give you my firstborn as a sacrifice and, and that. And Zeke's still here, so she's still not sleeping. Um, but, yeah, so there's kind of this, this desperation in it. And, you know, in the storm, my faith in God hasn't changed. Um, I've asked a lot of questions, normally very polite questions. Um, you know, in in looking at creation, like, it shows me of God's greatness. Um, whilst we're still sinners, he died for us. A blood-stained cross proves his love for me once and for all. I never doubted his love. The question that was asked was, God, where is your love right now amidst this storm? Night after night, month after month, it was, it was like heaven had gone silent. You know, we can get desperate in the middle of a storm and try anything. God, where are you in the middle of this storm? You know, silence can be distressing, silence can be disturbing, and silence undealt with becomes destructive. 
you know, you might be in a financial storm and people are getting breakthrough left, right and centre and you're saying, God, I know that you are faithful, but where are you in the middle of this financial storm? I know that you're good. I know that you're strong. But Jesus, in the middle of this crazy hell storm, where are you? It feels like you ain't doing too much. Where are you, Jesus, in the middle of this health storm? And so on and so on. You know, if it's your unemployment storm, your family storm. God, why are my kids behaving like this? Why are my teenage kids not coming home when I say they are? God, why? where are you in the middle of my family storm? And, you know, that's the question we ask. And the reality is that anyone who has journeyed any distance with God, with Jesus, the reality is at some point in their journey they would experience or be it short sometimes, but real nevertheless, a season where it feels like Jesus is just a little quiet in their storm. And like I said before, it is imperative for us to know how to process through in the middle of it. And when it comes where Jesus is because silence can be distressing, silence can be disturbing and silence undealt with becomes destructive. You know, I don't want to talk about um, this and bring up topics to bring a fear and a sense of disencouragement. You know, this is faith. If we are to see the heart of this church to break down the walls between the church and the community happen more and more, we need to talk about real life. And this is true to our journey. Not escaping the realities of this world and hoping that everything will be peachy we need to know what God is, what it is to bring God into the midst of our storm, into our real world, into the midst of our challenges, into the midst of our questions, into the midst of the wrestle as we ponder, where are you, Jesus, in the middle of my storm when it feels like you've gone just a little bit quiet? And I want to, you know, where are you, Jesus? And I want to read um, from Mark 4, 35 to 41 and just, <coughs> excuse me, um, I can read it like this, yes. Yeah, and then talk about this, um, yes, into relationship to where, to find out where Jesus is in the middle of our storms. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and he was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Cool. Can you relate to this story a little bit? You know, we're just a bunch of Christians trying to get from point A to point B and stay alive. Um, you know, can I just say this? The disciples were smack bang in the middle of God's will. Jesus told them to get into the boat. They got into the boat. The storm still came. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. And we need to break this thinking of when, God, when something good is happening, but God is smiling on us. But when something bad is happening, it's Jesus Oh, God, frowning upon us. You know, sometimes rough things happen to people doing nothing wrong. Um, you know, the storm hit the disciples and they're freaking out. And Jesus is sleeping through it, seemingly disconnected from their plight, seemingly nonchalant, seemingly apathetic to their cause. Jesus was just there sleeping on a cushion. You know, 
they want to be asking, Jesus, do you care if we drown? Jesus, do you care that the, the boat is rocking us to and fro? Jesus wakes up, flexes his muscle, and the storm is silent. Where was Jesus? Where is Jesus in the middle of the storm? And I just want to take three points from this, this account of where Jesus is in the middle of our storm. You know, th- point one, he is still in your boat. Verse 36. Um, verse 36 says, Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. You know, he hadn't left them. He hadn't forsaken them. When the going got hot, he didn't get going. Where was Jesus? He was still in the boat. He didn't say, oh, I'm out. I'm running away. I'll be back when things get easier. He was right there in the boat. And, you know, if you could take just one thing from today, is that no matter what, where you're at, what your circumstances behold you, no matter where or what's going on in your life, no matter how much your boat is being rocked, you can be sure of this, as sure as I'm talking to you today, that Jesus is still in your boat. When the rain was falling on the disciples, the rain was falling on Jesus. When the wave was crashing on the disciples, the waves were crashing on Jesus. If the boat had capsized, the disciples would have had to swim to shore. Jesus would have had to walk to shore because Jesus was still in the boat. You know, Elvis may have left the building, but Jesus is still in your boat. You know, and that's the difference right there from Christianity to any other religion. Any other religion, it serves this God out there, whereas Jesus came to earth to dwell, to do life with us, to, to be in the center of our life and just do life. And that's the difference there. Matthew 28, verse 20 says, and this is Jesus talking, I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. You know, this was, Jesus was keeping his promise in that moment. He was still in the boat. You know, if you're going through financial problems, he's still in your boat. If you're going through health issues, he is still in your boat. If you're going through family issues, he is still in your boat. If you're sleep deprived, he's still in your boat. Right? Cool. So he's still in your boat, point one. Point two, he's still in control. Verse 37 says, A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it nearly swamped. It was nearly swamped. Um... The storm, this storm was so bad, it was so intense that, you know, these disciples, the majority of them were experienced fishermen. They grew up on this lake. They knew what it was like to be in storms before and that. But, you know, this one was so full on, but they thought this was the one. This was the one that um, was going to take them under. And while this was going on, they looked at the master, the one who called them, and he was right there asleep on the cushion. He was out to it, seemingly disconnected. And you can see for, for some people looking in, you feel like Jesus is not caring about his disciples. But like I said before, the fact that we have a blood-stained cross and an empty tomb, that it proves that Jesus cares and Jesus loves. There is no doubt about that. So we must come to another clu- conclusion why Jesus was asleep. Here, yeah, Vorder. Where are we up to? Mm. Where is it on here? Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. We must come to another conclusion why Jesus was asleep. And my conclusion was Jesus wasn't asleep because he didn't care, but maybe because he wasn't stressed. Like, how do you stress? How do you get stressed when you're God? How do you get stressed when you're God? He literally has the whole world in his hands. 
the Bible makes it very clear that because of Jesus, everything is held together by the power and the identity of Jesus. He had the disciples in his hands. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus knew how it was going to end as well. And he knew it wasn't the end for the disciples at that point. And if they had been paying enough attention, they would have noted Jesus saying, let us go to the other side. He didn't say, let us get in the boat. It's a nice day to go out into the middle of the lake and drown. He said, let us go to the other side. It might take a little longer than you expect. It might be a little scarier than you think. It might be even wise to pack a second pair of undies. But we're going to go to the other side. We need to remember that no matter how crazy life gets, how dire the situation is, that Jesus is not only still in your boat, but he's still in control. He has got you. He doesn't slip. He doesn't lose grip. He's got your family. He's got your finances. He's got your health. He's got everything. He doesn't slip. You know, I'm freaking out, but he is still in control. How do you freak out from a lake that you made? How does a storm intimidate you when you invented the thing? Jesus didn't sleep because he didn't care. Jesus was asleep because he wasn't stressed. Jesus is still in control. Cool. So point one is, he's still in your boat. Point two is, he's still in control. Point three is, he's getting ready to act. Imagine being there on that day and seeing the disciples' discussion um, between the conversation between the disciples to see who was going to wake the master. <coughs> Can you imagine? They'll be talking, you go and wake him, you go and wake him. We saw him raise someone from the dead yesterday. Perhaps he could, do the, he could probably do the opposite. I'm not really ready for that yet. Like, why don't you go and wake him? So they turn to Pete and go, Peter, you're always shooting off your mouth. You go and wake him up. He's like, he called me Satan yesterday. Like, I don't really feel like doing it today. So they, um, they turn to Thomas and say, why don't you go and wake him? He goes, I doubt he'll want me to wake him. And then he turns to Judas and goes, yo, Judas, go and wake Jesus up. And he's like, have you seen the way he's been looking at me lately? He's been looking really strange at me. You know, the disciples are freaking out. And eventually someone goes and wakes Jesus. And here's the best part. The Bible says in verse 39, but Jesus says, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely still. You know, that phrase in the Greek means Jesus looked at creation and scolded. You know, that kind of look that, you know, your mum or your wife gives you when you're like, whoa, like, better stop what I'm doing. You know, Jesus gave creation the look and, and it obeyed him and it went calm. You know, don't allow a season of silence to diminish your understanding of God's strength, God's sovereignty and God's power. Don't ever allow a season of silence to fool you into thinking that God is not able. He forever is. He looked at creation and it was calmed. God is just as strong as he has ever been. He's able to provide. He's able to heal. He's able. He's more than able. This is our God who was able to create the heavens and the earth in just six days. This is our God who brought forth Israel with a pensioner and a barren woman. This is our God who was able to bring down the walls of Jericho with nothing but a song and a shout. This is the God who was able to take down a giant with nothing but a sling and a stone. He can close the mouth of a lion, open the eyes of the blind, heal the sick, raise the deaf, birth the church and save your crazy life. This is our God who is as strong as he's ever been. And you know my prayer? That if you're in the midst of a storm and it feels like Jesus has forgotten you, that you'll be reminded that he still is in your boat. He still is in control and he's getting ready to act by his grace and his glory. He'll move, but he's getting 
ready to act. And, you know, I love how in his acting, in his moving, in his answering, we get to know him a bit better. Verse 41 says, They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the winds and the waves obeying, obey him. In other words, they got together and they're like, Yesterday we didn't know this about him, but today we do. You know, Jesus is more concerned. Oh, hang on. Yeah, even though they couldn't see that at that time, God was positioning them to see him just that little bit more clearer. You know, in those winter seasons, like I said before, we can see further. In those dark times, God uses that so we can see him that bit more clearer. Jesus is more concerned and interested in the men and women we are becoming, more about our faith growing, our relationship with him going to the next level, us seeing him more clearer, more interested in that, interested in that than us just calling on him when we have an issue. He's more interested in who we're becoming, but he sometimes allows us to go through a season of silence knowing that something can happen in that season that cannot happen in any other environment. It's one thing to declare him Jehovah Jireh, my provider, in a season of plenty, but another to declare, him in this, declare it in a season of little. He's in your boat, he's still in control, and by his grace and for his glory and in his perfect time, he will act. You know, the best things in my life haven't happened in those summer seasons, in those, um, you know, when everything's peaching, everything's going well. The best things have happened in my life is in those stormy seasons, in those winter seasons. You ask any mother who's, who's given birth and the joy of giving birth brings, you know, they call it labour for a reason and it's in those dark seasons, joy is one of their greatest joys, birth's one of their greatest joys, you know, it's in those hard seasons that births one of our greatest gifts. When we realise in those seasons that there is, that he's there, it gives us hope it gives us that insurance and it gives us that faith, that purpose to keep on going. Jesus is still in your boat. And can I encourage you to today that when you're amongst a storm in the midst of winter, allow God to help you see a little further. It's in these seasons that God does something in us that he can't do in any other environment. Paul, did you want to share your little bit about that movie? I don't know. You said you might or not. Well, Josh has kind of already said it, but we were watching The Day After Tomorrow the other day, and it's a movie about it's epic winter storm blizzard and exactly what Josh was talking about. And then after the storm has settled, there's astronauts in space and they're just in their rocket ship and he calls his mate over and he says, look out there, have you ever seen the air looking so clear? And I just think it speaks so profoundly of what Josh is saying, that through those winter seasons, through those storms, we may, might not be able to see what Jesus is doing in them as the disciples would have been panicking, but when they got to the end of it, they could more clearly see exactly who Jesus was. And I just think it's often at the end of the storm that you can see more clearly, I didn't know what you were doing, God, but now I can see what you're doing. And that's just what Josh was talking about. And I thought, oh, that movie had a little profound truth in there that yeah often we can see so much more clearly after we come through those painful seasons cool thanks sir i didn't watch the movie i was sleeping um yeah you know god is still in your boat he's still in control and he's getting ready to act and um you know you might have been sitting here for the last 20 or so minutes and thinking do i even have this person in my boat you know, is he even in my boat? And, you know, it might be a question that you feel like he's slipped out of the boat and he's not there anymore. Or you might never have asked 
Jesus to come into your life before. But um, can I, I just say through the craziest seasons in my life and that when I look back, I can see that, that Jesus was still in my boat. You know, there's that footprints poem thing that, that says, you know, you can see two sets of footprints and then, God, where were you in that season? I only can see one set of footprints and it talks about Jesus carrying us through those moments. So I can honestly say when I look back at my life in the hard situations, Jesus was still in my boat. He was still there carrying me and that. And um, I just want to get everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads. And, you know, if you feel like <coughs> Jesus may have left your boat or you've never felt Jesus within your boat, I just want to give you an opportunity today to, to experience that. Um, when my, my story is when, when I accepted Jesus fully into my life, when I said, I want you to come and, and I want to do life with you, I can only honestly say I felt um, content and full for the first time. It didn't really make life easier in the sense of everything was just happy and go lucky and just good. And then I had someone to rely on in, in hard seasons, someone I can put my trust and my faith in through those tough times. And, and if that's you and you want to experience that, I just encourage you to raise your hand. We'll say a prayer with you and we'll move on. So I'm just going to give a few moments for that. Cool. So Father God, we just thank you for the God you are. Lord God, we thank you that you are holy and worthy to be praised, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Father God, we thank you that you are still in our boat. Father God, you've never left us. You never planned to leave us. You'll never forsake us. Father God, we thank you that you're in perfect control. Lord God, you know exactly what you're doing, Lord. We thank you that your timing is perfect. We thank you that you are getting ready to act on our behalf. You have acted on our behalf, Father God. And today we thank you and praise you and honour you for that, for who you are. Lord God, we just love you. We just praise you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, if you're someone who's going through a storm in your life and you might not know, where Jesus is in that storm. He may know where it is, but you want someone to stand with you and pray with you and say, hey, let's do this journey together. Um, I encourage you to come up the front and we'll love to pray for you, pray with you. Um, the band's going to sing, I think, a new song called Seasons, which is appropriate. Um, but cool. Do you have anything else to say? Awesome. Cool. Let's stand and sing. And if that's